0: Welcome to All Things Being Cyber. A podcast where we aim to inform and entertain. We'll connect with vendors, security engineers, and most importantly, the ones fighting the good fight every day. Yeah, you know who you are. So grab yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to episode two. Thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully you had some time to uh, tune into our first episode. Uh, we're going to chime in on the uh, the details of that a little later on, because episode two will tie into that. I am Jim Janulis from Source 44 Security, and with me I have Jared uh, DeFreitas and Paul Monikas. This episode is going to be about Sassy, and I referenced episode one a few seconds ago because last episode, we had Michael McConey from Netscope give us a little bit of information regarding the solution, what problems it's solving, and uh, very common use case scenarios nowadays uh, with with the shift of the workforce and data. We will get into deeper dive into that, but before we get there, I'm going to open up the floor. I may regret this, but I'm going to open up the floor. uh, Anything from you two gentlemen before we move on today.
1: As I was going through last month's episode, uh, doing the editing and so on, I found a couple comments that were interesting that I'd I'd, I'd like
2: to share. So I have a couple clips. I'm going to play them both. Oh God. Clip number one. I'm definitely the youth of the podcast. Clip number two. Didn't realize you had that much uh, tender under your belt. (laughs) So basically, Paul. Paul is calling us all old.
1: You you are old. Mostly Jim. Oh, oh my God, it's, let's it's, take out birth certificates on, right now. You have how many years on me? <laughs> and by the way, it's tenure, not tender. Yeah,
2: I know. I know. I can't really talk too well. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And it's it's all relative. We're, yeah.
0: we're going to give him a break. He, old, he did use the word pilling last me. week. You're so, tender, me, pilling, it's all. My grandfather. <laughs> it's all with the youth, all the youth. And he thought it was a good
2: thing.
1: He just doesn't, he doesn't have a spell check available. It just so. means I can
2: run faster than you. I've seen you <laughs> run and I know, yeah, you, know you can't. You, you do like Iron Man's and triathlon. So maybe I'll just outrun Jim. It's fine. Just a minute, partner. You can't talk to me like that. Them spighting words. them words. Yeah, we should probably just get into the episode. So Jim, why don't you tell us what
0: is sassy? I'm gonna do my best here without getting too technical because a I can't and it's because, fine. Uh, it's fine. We have Jeff that'll and come in later. And B yes, tell I can you anything that. that's wrong. We do have <laughs> Jeffrey Sims joining us soon, who is our director of cybersecurity services, who will put a much more intelligent spin on Sassy. But in the meantime, Sassy 101 from Source 44 Security. So essentially, Sassy Secure Access Service Edge. The reason why this sort of this solution. I guess where a lot of vendors were going to is because a lot of the corporate data, as you know, has been moving to the cloud. Uh, some people further along than, uh, than others, but uh, employees became increasingly mobile, so more data flowing to more locations. So this ultimately changes your requirements for network and network security, moving away from your traditional stacks. The perimeter, as it's always been called, is essentially gone. It's not a location, but a capability edge services, if you will. So those are created where and when you need them based on policies. And policies will vary from one organization to the next, but that's kind of the central part of how this all works. A shift from the network and network security delivered from the cloud now and not the data center, which they eventually called digital transformation. Thanks for that, Gardner, by the way. That's your plug for today. The importance of it, the data center is no longer the center of the universe. It is shrinking in size and the user or the device either or, or both, has essentially become the center of everything. So SASE provides access for the user or the device to anything, from anywhere, and keeping this access secure. The data is in the cloud, we have Salesforce, Dropbox, and all that stuff, so when users are using it mobile, and no matter where they are, they can access this stuff and securing that data at the same time. That was uh, fantastic. That was actually really good. You see, <laughs> you actually, said, actually you did some surpri- research. You surprised hey! me on that one. That was great. And sometimes <laughs> I do my work. I'm not going to say all the time, but sometimes I put in the work. That was that was fantastic. Thank you, Jim. Great job, Jim. Well, Jim, that, that's the first compliment today. After tearing a strip out of pulp. Yeah. hey, When do I get my compliment? Did you say pilling. <laughs> Uh, give yourself about twenty more years on that birth certificate just, and take I may cookie. give you I'll take that. a cookie. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that one.
2: Ooh, look who just arrived. I want to introduce everybody to our director of cybersecurity services who can go into a little more technical detail
3: about what Jim just talked about. Here is Jeffrey Sims. Thanks for the introduction, Paul. Can I start off by saying sassy? What a stupid name for a technology. Silly.
0: Silly. It's it's silly. Silly. So if you have kids running around the house, we use Silly. Not that our listeners are going to be under the age of uh, probably 25, but silly.
3: I don't know. I think Paul's going to get some of his students listening. I like silly anyway. That's funny. Right? In any case, you know what? None of these technologies are new. There's newer ones coming out. They're improving them. But almost every sassy vendor had a product very similar or identical out just under a different name like firewall as a service, secure edge gateways. Things like that. SASE as a technology really has a really loose, broad definition. Unlike almost every other technology category, especially when you're looking at the Gardener stuff, like they all had really well-defined characteristics. Like if you look at next gen firewalls, it was here's a set of features you have to have as a minimum. And clients would look at that and they'd know when they're comparing different vendors, they, they a similar feature set. There's some parity there. SASE, on the other hand, it's broadly defined as it has to incorporate a network as a service feature and a security as a service feature. That's it. And both of those categories are actually relatively broad. Now, most of them have some very general characteristics that we can say they have SD-WAN capabilities, and that covers off the network as a service side. And security as a service normally falls under content filtering and things like that. It's aimed generally at remote user access and secure internet access for remote users. But they don't even all have to have these type of features to be in this category. And that makes it really, really difficult for clients to figure out what they want or even what vendor to look at. So, you know what, it's funny that
0: you bring that up because it has been a point of confusion for some customers who are looking to get there, looking to put a solution like this in place. And, and I often wondered, and until you cleared that up a little bit, I often wonder, well, what's so confusing? But you're right, uh, because organizations are confused. So here's a question for you, Jeffrey. What questions should an organization be asking when looking at these type of solutions or vendor-specific? What should be? Because you, you, you pointed out earlier that you had conversations previously with three organizations, and all three of them were three different recommendations. So you had a pretty good idea of what their use case scenario was. What question should organizations ask to kind of narrow it down to the one or
3: two and, and, and kind of explore their options? I think the most important question they need to look at is what does my network design look like and where do I want it to go? Or where does my data reside? Every client has a different use case and it drastically changes which vendor is a good fit. So a really simple example, I'm working with a number of law firms They don't have on-prem systems. Everything's been moved to the cloud. So they don't have a use for a firewall. So that changes which vendor is a good fit here. And then you have other aspects where if you have large data centers, you have big firewalls, you want feature parity, same user experience, same rule set for all of your users. If they're on-prem or off-prem, different vendors are better there. If you care more about protecting what's in the cloud, then someone who has good CASB or reverse proxy features, things like that may be more important. So you really have to define what you're trying to get out of this, what your network design looks like, and then find the vendor that's going to fit with that. Agreed. So like another great example of that is a lot of the SASE vendors don't support inbound connections which is fine if you also have a firewall. But if you're trying to go away from firewalls or you have stuff in one of the public clouds, sure you can deploy virtual firewalls there, but as a single pane of glass, single solution, maybe a sassy vendor that supports the inbound connections gives you that. And so it's just a slightly different design. And so you just need to figure out which one's gonna work with you for your network design and works with for your price because you can change the network design and drastically change the price. So I've seen with some of these solutions where I've been working with a client and we will price out the design that would be required to work with a given vendor versus another vendor. And you can go four times the price just because of how it changes the design. Okay, so here's a question with the various
0: vendors and redesign and finding the vendor that will fit your use case. The next thing that'll probably come to the forefront of their thinking is, is my data at an increased risk when A, I make this move, and B, the vendor I choose? So is is that safe to assume that some vendors will provide a better sense of a better increased security when you make
3: this move? Uh, Or is everybody kind of on the level playing field? They all have different feature sets. And that's the big thing. Like, I'm not gonna say one's more secure than others. I think some of the players in this field are some of the best security companies in the world. It's gonna come down to how you use their features and did their features actually work for what you're trying to do. So one of my criticisms of firewalls on-prem right now, at least for smaller organizations and remote offices, yes, your firewall may have the greatest security features in the world, but with all these smaller branch offices, You're not buying big enough pieces of equipment to do decryption, so you're not actually utilizing any of these features. I think SASE actually makes you more secure because now all of these remote workers and remote offices that you weren't able to really secure properly without tunneling everyone back to data centers through bigger firewalls that can handle the decryption, you now have the ability to use full feature sets because it's running in the cloud. I think you may have just scored a lot of points with Sassy Vendors right there. <laughs> I'm just I'm just putting it out there.
0: So Sassy Vendors, that was Jeffrey Sims from Source 44 Security.
3: You know what? For me, I think SASE is gonna become one of the centerpieces to security in organizations now. I'm not gonna go and you know go to the extremes and say it's gonna kill the firewall. No, I don't think it's gonna do that. I think it has a fit. And when you're looking at places that You don't need segmented networks on at a site, especially for some of these branch offices and stuff, direct to internet access that gives you the full security feature set of a next gen firewall in the cloud without having to have a giant piece of hardware to handle the decryption stuff is just a win. And because it's so user centric and based off user identity, it is going to be the first major stepping stone for most organizations to moving into a zero trust model.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Jeff. I think that increased flexibility of being able to secure uh, all of your remote workers from anywhere and having the access to internal resources from anywhere, I think that's going to be a a really big thing moving forward. And I know you mentioned that this is kind of like an older type of um, technology, and it's been more or less rebranded name-wise, but do you think... As people were starting to go that route, do you think that the pandem- pandemic has um, increased the or accelerated the adoption of this? What are your thoughts on that?
3: It's definitely increased it. So at the very beginning of the pandemic, we were inundated with calls for remote access. People had VPN solutions and stuff like that, but they weren't sized to handle their entire organization. So there was a major uptick in this. So it's accelerated. I don't think it really changed the trajectory because a lot of the organizations we work with were already moving here. Like a, there was a couple of law firms that I worked with downtown that have actually moved most of their office space out. They've moved to their offices being hotel space because just cost of rent downtown Toronto was insane. So they were already moving to a remote worker type idea. And so yes, the pandemic did drastically increase it, but I think we we're heading there anyways. What are the kind of features that these vendors are stacking against each other
0: that uh, are pretty cool customers would want to know about? Real features, not marketing material features. What have you seen that separates some of these vendors, some of the cool stuff they're putting
3: out there and go, wow, that's neat. Yeah, beyond the we're the best to buy us. So, you know what? Most of them are going to have decryption. They're going to have all the content inspection, antivirus, all of those things. And those things are great. Some of the ones that separate them that I really like, there's things like reverse proxy, which allows you to protect your SaaS applications from even non-corporate devices. So if you're heavy BYOD, you're not having these people actually run through the SASE platform, you can have your actual SaaS platform redirect them through a proxy so you can get the same type of inspection on non-corporate devices.
0: Now, is that a unique feature to a vendor or is that 50% of the vendors, 80% of the vendors? Where would you say? Just This is just guesstimates, right? 20%. Okay.
3: It, All right. It so it's pretty like unique. A, yeah. It's a relatively rare feature. Okay,
0: good. What else? But
3: one was, it's a pretty cool one. Another really cool one is browser isolation. Once again, not a lot of the vendors are offering this but it has some applications and certain use cases. I have a client that they wanted users to be able to get to personal email, but they did not want users to be able to download files, upload files, things like that, but they also didn't want to decrypt the user's email. So it puts you in this thing where I don't have much in the way of content control with it, but with browser isolation, it actually runs on the SASE provider's servers and you're actually getting a display of it. You're not actually accessing the website directly so they can control what you interact with without actually inspecting the content. And so that was really cool. For the remote worker use case, one that I really like is digital experience monitoring. This allows the SASE platform to analyze where- I don't even know what that is. (laughs) It sounds cool though. (laughs) It is. So
0: I will remember it for my next meeting, that's for sure.
3: That's it's a why cool you bring Jeff with you. <laughs> the reason I like it is because one of the problems that I ran into when I was doing more operations stuff is remote workers would call in to help desk and complain that it's slow and that would get escalated to the network team and if it's running through a firewall then it's escalated to the security team and network and security would argue and it's know. the finger pointing game. Right, and that's the thing. But try to convince a user that it's their home Wi-Fi that's the problem. So what digital experience monitoring does is it gives the SASE platform the ability to analyze where some of the latency problems are and just performance for the user. But it's able to break it down into, is this their home network? Is this their WAN connection? Is it between the SASE provider and the cloud provider? And it gives you that breakdown. So when users call in and complaining about their experience you actually have metrics to work off of. You can go, we can see that that's your home Wi-Fi. I like that, that's good. That would
2: definitely be useful. It, it eliminates a lot of the wasted time of trying to figure out uh, who
3: the issue lies with. And if Paul likes it, I'm sold. Well, it's one of those things, Like this is one of the biggest problems with everyone working from home, is now you have people calling in to their company's help desks, complaining about slowness, that this is preventing me from working, and it turns out to be their own home issues. And you can't support everyone's house.
0: All right, Jeffrey, thank you very much for that input. I think that's going to add on to some of the interesting things that you brought up earlier to, to top the questions that organizations should be asking for when they are considering a SASE solution, the unique features that come with some of these uh, SASE vendors. Um, so thank you for doing that. But I want you to hang tight. I'd like you for you to uh, stick around because we've got a Source 44 client coming in who's going to d- discuss his uh sassy venture and and, then what solution he uh sort of decided on and then what kind of his use case scenarios were and the problems they solved for him stay tuned
1: as an it leader i can't tell you the number of times a new vendor has sat across from me and expressed his interest in being my trusted technology partner but if you're anything like me you too follow the philosophy that trust is earned and not freely given Look, we all know that the cybersecurity threat landscape is constantly changing. It's hard to keep up to date with the new threats or the technology designed to keep your organization safe. Enter Source 44 Security. We help companies improve their cybersecurity programs with industry expertise best-of-breed solutions and experienced engineers who implement it correctly the first time. Go to www.source44.net for more information. Source44 Security has been earning the trust of companies and IT leaders for over 10 years.
0: All right, welcome back. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. As promised, we have our first guest today, a long-time uh, Source44 client and uh, who I'd like to consider a friend of mine. He he can refute that when you get that moment, Greg, but uh, I'd like to consider you a friend as well. So I'd like to introduce you now to Greg Roberts from Tremco.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. Greg uh, is here with me. And again, we also have Jeffrey, our uh, Director of Cybersecurity, who was uh, with us earlier. Hey. Excellent. So what I want to do, Greg, is, is just take a few minutes. Um, maybe you can sort of... Tell us a little bit about the industry you're in, uh, what Tremco does, uh, as much as you can tell us, and then your journey into SaaS, what sort of prompted that sort of project, why you were going there, and, and what problems it did solve for you.
4: Okay, sounds good. First off, we are a manufacturing company. Uh, Tremco manufactures sealants, roofing products. Anyone in the construction business knows our products. We're, uh, we're well known globally now. We have uh, multiple locations across Canada, U.S. And to go to your point of uh, what was the start of looking at a SaaS was we were a traditional firewall on-premise shop, much like everyone else. But we went through a large reorganization and had a lot of mergers acquisitions. So we we needed a solution that first off gave us high visibility end-to-end. Of our network, we wanted something that was easy to deploy, easy to manage, and again highly visible. So yeah, we had um, we had uh, pans on location in in some locations, not every location. So we decided to expand the hardware. Then look at, you know, what can we do to address that visibility, ease of management, and, and, you know, that end-to-end security.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, you do have a lot of remote offices like South America and whatnot. I know you've spoken to a few times.
4: Yeah, I'll get to that. that was, that's part of the merger and um, reorganization. And that was a big deciding factor of, of the ease of management, the ease of installation, the ease of deployment, and that visibility, uh, the secure visibility of all traffic. Yeah, what we did is um, we reviewed a couple different solutions. Uh, we looked at, at a couple SaaS vendors, and we looked at a pure play um, SD-WAN solution. And we did um, did a long POC. It, it kind of went longer than I initially thought, but it was well worth it. Uh, we looked at, um, well, we thought all all aspects that we needed. Prisma checked off, um, you know, made the
3: check marks on all their checklists. And that's really one of the most important things. Like- I have to recommend it to every client with any of these solutions. You have to do a POC. You have to be thorough with it. You have to test every one of your use cases. Yeah, well, I guess
4: i would point to that. What was interesting is, you know, you, you think you, when you go into a project at the beginning, you, you, you try to think about everything that you know. You soon quickly learn that you don't know a lot of things. So you have to be dynamic with your POC. You've got to learn what you're doing, know what you don't do or don't know, and then go to guys like you, experts who has some other ideas, can give more information and really have an open mind with the target in mind that you want a complete solution. That's what we did. We And, and I think that's why it took quite a while, was again, just just making sure that we're, we're seeing everything that we needed and addressing all our, all our problems.
0: So you also did say, sorry, Jeffrey, just really quickly, um, that you did look at, wasn't the only solution that you did look at. If you go back and try to remember, what was that? Differentiator. Like, do you remember anything that stood out for you to say? Hey, we're going to go this way versus that way. Were there any indicators uh, that you can remember today? Because this was probably I think we we're going on about two years, right? Yeah, yeah, two and a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, do you remember anything that kind of said, "That's it. I'm sold. This is the way to go because it's right for us"?
4: um I do. With the with the SD WAN solution, we were looking at price came into play. Actually, that was that was one of the the one of the big factors. We felt that it would would have been easy to deploy, but it was also giving us features that we wouldn't really need. We're not, we don't necessarily need SD-WAN. We're, our network model is a spoke hub, but with multiple spokes and hubs. So we didn't need a fully meshed network. We needed for the most part to backhaul to um, uh, our main head office. And then we needed local access to some regional offices, not all. So the the SD-WAN solution didn't work for us. Again, price was a big factor there. The software that we were looking at, they're a well-known company. They were actually an incumbent; they were um, existing in one of our companies. We uh, we took over. They just didn't have the the same security capabilities that Prisma Access offers. Some of their at the time, maybe they've they've changed, but uh, they were basically a proxy-based security system. Um, They didn't have end-to-end visibility. It was, security was done more by URL categories where Prisma can do, you know, end-to-end packet application analysis. And it's, you know, it's live runtime and it gives reporting.
3: Yeah. A few of the SASE vendors are proxy-based. And you know what? Some of the proxy vendors have fantastic visibility. Like some of them have hands down the best visibility out of any of the solutions, but there are limitations to it. They're limited on what ports and protocols they support, but if the rest of your technology stack plays into that, then that may not be a problem for you. But for some customers like yourself, it is.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it. It just it fit in uh, fit in really well with our um, you know with our existing hardware. With Prisma, we actually had a bit of cost savings in that we didn't require the the subscriptions on the PA's themselves on the hardware. So that was that was a further savings because. Prisma does
0: it all. You have started with a kind of phased approach to, to Prisma. Um, I know we've, we've already kind of put out a, a, a number of users. And uh, so what's on the roadmap this year? Like outside of starting to roll out to even more numbers and increasing that count, what is on the roadmap this year for Tremco?
4: Well, if I can back up maybe just a little bit, what's, um, you know, our POC went from, you know, a POC to going live in just two locations. You know, we designed it that way that we can actually put it in production to you know a couple locations while still maintaining our old infrastructure. And from there, we we deployed. We felt it was better to deploy to local, easier accessible um, uh, sites that we have. The acquisitions that we acquired it almost doubled our size in North America, but we also expanded to uh, Latin Latin America, Central America, and a reorg of the 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 company gave us um, a lot more companies in Europe, I think about 40 locations. So what we've done are, um, you know, from the POC to, to deploying it to a couple locations, we have now spread it out to all of North America. And we just actually went live on our furthest location, South, South America, down in uh, Santiago, Chile, and Touchwood. wood, it went successful. So we're happy with that. So then the next, the next plan is, um, is continuing with our deployment in, uh, in South America and then standardizing at all the other locations and, and implementing it out there.
0: Did you find a difference from pre or during or post-pandemic, oh, I can't even say post-pandemic yet because we're kind of still in it almost, hopefully the, the, the light is closer than it is further, but with the transition, did you find any differences? Was it just as easy? What can you say to that?
4: We, um, I would say actually there was, there was almost no difference deploying this during COVID time as there would have been you know, without COVID. Uh, we're doing, um, the good thing about Prisma is it's centrally designed. Um, so you centrally design it, you create templates. We've, we, we leverage templates a lot on our panorama. Um, and we push down the configs from there. Really moving to Prisma during COVID time has been seamless. I don't, I don't think it would have gone any other way.
0: I like it. Well, that's good to hear. So here is my final question um, and then hopefully it'll kind of hit home with some of the listeners and and, and organizations out there looking to make that move and still haven't kind of zeroed in on a solution. What would you say to them to what are the things they need to think about? What would you say to them now as an end user and experience this and going on to two some odd years? What would you say to them in moving forward and finding the right solution for them?
4: I think with the um you know, the point about the POC, getting things, getting thing, really understanding what you want to get out of it. Um, that's really important. Working with the application, learning more what it can do and, and leverage all of the, all the tool sets it gives.
3: Yeah, that's an issue I see a lot is people deploy these type of solutions and they don't even use half the features that are there. Actually working with your partners or the vendor themselves to go through and actually figure out what is everything we can do and how much can we get out of this
4: yeah exactly that's I think that's really important and and again like you know because it isn't such a new product you don't know everything so find some other experts and and learn from them and, and have a good uh, a good path forward excellent
0: I like it all right well hey you know what Greg that's a lot of great information uh, that we did get and thank you so much for making it out here today Jeffrey thanks for sticking around because your uh, your insight is always valuable please stand by we are going to have another. One of our clients and longtime friends join us today. Uh, law firm, so completely different industry. So great end user sort of insight. Stay tuned.
2: All right. Next up, I'd like to introduce a longtime customer of Source44, Dave. Uh, he works at a law firm in Toronto. Dave, how you doing? Pretty good, thanks. Hey, Dave. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. So we'd like to kind of just kick things off. Today's episode um, has all been around uh, sassy as a topic, um, and I know that's something that you're considering going uh, down that path. Can I just start things off by asking what made you want to look at this as a solution and and what really really kicked things off for you um, to go down this route?
5: Well, I think for us, it started even pre-pandemic, and the pandemic has accelerated a lot of it um, because... For the most part, all of our lawyers now, they're working from home or on the road. Uh, previous to that, it was maybe half and half. Um, a lot of our partners, they're road warriors. They're on the road all the time. Um, there's certain applications that they can't access uh, nicely over VPN. So we have a lot of things in place that uh, can mitigate those access challenges. But right now, with everyone not in the office, it looks like a good time to implement certain, uh, certain softwares or strategies that would accelerate um, being able to work remotely um, and just basically making it making it as seamless as possible. So a lot of our users, they're not the most technically proficient or they don't have the, the most patience. So they just basically want to open their computers and uh, be able to work away. Or open up their uh, phone or tablet and and be able to work away instantaneously. We also had an implementation of a document management system about a year, year and a half ago. And with that transforming our entire law practice pretty much, going from uh, file shares being used to um, a web-based application. That also opens up a whole bunch of different opportunities for us to be able to use uh, new remote access methods instead of just having a traditional VPN and everybody remotes in, and then you have to access a certain way. Um, being a hundred percent web-based for this particular critical application of ours. Yeah. It does open up a lot of new doors, I think.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, companies obviously are facing different challenges in the last year uh, with the pandemic. We, and we were talking about it in our last segment, that's really, it's, it's pushed many companies to, to do something quickly, but it sounds like you had another component to yours is, your situation with uh, with your uh, document sharing or document management system.
5: Yeah, and we're also having uh, the other big thing this year, we're also implementing another financial package which also gives us the opportunity to replace our legacy system. The legacy system, not, not web-based at all, um, proprietary protocols, proprietary format, uh, this new system going to be similar to our document management system in that uh, there's going to be a web-based component. So instead of, you know, in theory, I suppose, we could open up the application to the outside world over over the web, uh, maybe put in a web application proxy or something. That probably
1: wouldn't be a good idea. uh,
5: No, no, no. No, we don't want to allow access that way. Um, but you know, if we can secure it properly, then you know, I'm all, I'm all for it.
1: Now, is is that going to be hosted internally, or are you or are you pushing that to the cloud as well? Because it sounds like you're moving, you know, to a cloud based a lot of cloud. You're moving off prem. Uh,
5: no, actually, the opposite. So we're a little bit weird. Um, we don't have any cloud applications host hosted at all. Okay. Really. Um, we have a couple of non-critical, I would say, systems that are are, are cloud based. So like our website or uh, like our credit card payment uh, system that's hosted by third party or our uh, large file sharing system. That's cloud-based. But for the most part, we host everything internally. I like to say, you know, we skipped over the whole cloud and we're, or we're back to being on-prem. I know other companies have done that. Uh, so we skipped over the whole cloud thing and we're, we just stayed on-prem the whole time, right? That also poses a challenge in that we also have branch offices that need to be able to access their or sorry, all the uh, applications in the head office. So right now we do use traditional, I suppose, uh, WAN connections between all of our offices. And I think uh, having the uh, SASE, as it were, would possibly help to uh, get rid of those connections or maybe um, make them a little bit lower bandwidth or uh, just yeah, lower the overall maintenance and overhead on those systems as well.
2: Yeah, I think you touched on something important there that, Jeff kind of mentioned earlier, where everybody's use case is a little bit different. Uh, you said that you skipped over the cloud uh, <laughs> cloud, and went back to on-prem. Um, and I think that's something that's important is that your scenario and, and the solution
3: that fits your needs best is is tailored to you. Yeah, it's a really different scenario than most of the customers are working with. Because normally when we're looking at the SASE solution, a big piece of it is the SD-WAN component. And that comes in with all of the integrations to cloud providers yourself being mostly on-prem your use case is different in that it's remote user activity or connectivity to inside as well as branch office and that's another big play for SASE. it is really great for remote offices because you get to eliminate things like mpls or traditional vpns and you can lower some of your costs that way so dave what
1: what solutions have you been looking at what are you what are you considering
5: uh, well, right now, the big one is uh, Cato. Right now, we do use Netscope, uh, but mostly the web filtering component. Um, and I think we were also looking at uh, the private access component of Netscope to access our internal applications. We do use Palo Alto for our, our firewalls for the most part. And I know Palo Alto also has um, a product, so we were looking at that as well, Prisma Access, I believe it's called.
1: Yeah, so you're, you're basically, yeah. you're, you're looking at all the big boys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
3: one of the things like each vendor has their play where they work great. And every vendor that you mentioned, I've recommended to a client in the last handful of weeks for various reasons. Each one has their strong point and yourself with a lot of remote users and branch offices, Cato just happened to be the right play.
5: Yeah. And a lot of it is going also going to depend on, um, visibility, inventory, um, so like, yeah, I know we're not super, super unique, but I mean, our needs are, are different. Being a law firm, we have different types of data compared to, you know, whatever financial or healthcare. So uh, yeah, the, the product will be tailored to our needs as well. Yeah,
3: I think one of the big ones here was your lack of cloud. Like the fact that you don't have SaaS solutions in play, it definitely changed it for certain vendors because that's yep. their strong point. Like certain vendors... Yep. Their strongest point is how they integrate and protect a lot of the SaaS solutions, which is super common. Like Most of our clients have moved most of their stuff to the cloud, and that makes different vendors a stronger play, but because you're doing the opposite, it's really changed that.
2: Actually, Dave, you mentioned visibility, and I just wanted to take a second to circle back to that. Uh, can you give us a little bit more insight on uh, what you meant by that?
5: Our users, um, when, when they were in the office most of the time, be there in our in our branch office or head office. They would go through our firewall. We would be able to see all their traffic and be able to manage it and secure it and protect it. But now, you know, when they're working from home, uh, even if they're VPN'd in, they're doing split tunneling. Their traffic is not going through uh, our firewall. so it, it's hard to see what uh, what's going on and being able to protect
3: that. And that's one of the great things about SASE is you get to eliminate a lot of those bandwidth limitations with things like split tunneling. From a security standpoint, split tunneling has always been seen as something you're not supposed to do, but ultimately a necessary evil. But you're looping traffic from the user's home back to their the office and then back out. So you're ultimately doubling the bandwidth on your firewall. And a lot of these, at least especially the branch office firewalls, just can't handle that workload, especially if you're looking at things like decryption. And now with SASE, we can go direct to internet, do full decryption, full inspection, have every feature enabled and have minimal impact on the users. Fantastic for gaining that additional visibility. And added security features. Yeah, I think you're right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today,
2: David. Uh, really appreciate you jumping on the phone with us and uh, and being a part of this podcast. And and uh, if uh, you don't have any other final thoughts that you'd like to mention, we will bid you adieu. So well,
0: thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Have a good day. Take care, See you, Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, and for anyone else who might be listening right now, thank you very much for tuning into episode two. I'd like to thank our wonderful guests. I'm going to start off with our wonderful and intelligent. Director of Cybersecurity Services, Jeffrey Sims. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for having me.
2: I'd like to thank our guests, uh, David, from law offices, I can't say. (laughs) And these are actual real customers, folks. Yes, they're they're real people. We're just, uh, we have to comply with some privacy they just things. don't identify with paul yeah. well
0: take it fun. as you will and finally <laughs> greg roberts from tremco thank you very much for joining us today and that valuable insight uh everything that was sort of contributed to the whole sassy discussion today thank you very much gerard over there you've been a little quiet uh, you're all good thumbs up He's he doesn't have a, a mic <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't need a mic that, that that was intentional he thinks that was accidental but uh, that was intentional we just give him more guinness drinking time
2: and as always, if you have any questions, comments,
0: or any podcast ideas for future episodes, uh, feel free to hit us up at podcast at source44.net. Thank you very much, everyone. Stay tuned for episode three. I'd like to give you some insight into that, but... Uh, We're working I- on it. We <laughs> <You> are. <laughs> Thank you very much, and have a wonderful day or night, whatever time you're listening to it. The- <laughs> you know what's going to be funny? That charge recording and you're still talking? <laughs>
1: This podcast has been brought to you by Source 44 Security.